peeps, it's Mage, and welcome back to another episode of Reality Interrupted. So, clearly the answers that Arian received from his birth mother were riddled with, to be honest, the worst news. The Dark Lord is his father. But it wasn't all bad. He and Lise found out that they were siblings, and while realizing that they would never be alone in the world again was cause for celebration, their joy was tainted with fear and more questions. The Dark Lord had dedicated his life to killing sorcerers with powerful dark magic, and Arian and Elise had killed so many of the same in the last six years. Sure, it was to protect the hunted sorcerers, but they'd killed nonetheless. Were they in control of their lives, or were they fated to become like the man whose blood ran through their veins? Either way, he had to die. But where was he? Once upon a time. The restaurant was very sleek and modern. The tables and seats were a smooth and shiny metal, and the music was soft. Most of the tables were full of sorcerers, and it made her happier than she realized it would. Elise remembered a time not too long ago where the dark domain was all but abandoned everywhere they went. They felt safe enough not only to come back, but to live and work there again. That made her feel like the work she and Arian was doing was not in vain. In hopes for a bit of privacy, Arian led them to an empty table towards the back corner. After they placed their orders, he scrubbed his face, took his pencil from behind his ear, and pulled his sketch pad out of the inside of his jacket pocket. As soon as Elise saw him take out his pad, she knew he'd had a dream. She came to realize a long time ago that Arian had a habit of being ruled by his dreams, and not being able to function until he drew the scenes out completely. She knew better than to bother him while he was drawing. She'd just get ignored. So, she sat back and waited for him to finish. She was halfway done with her food when he finally slid his sketch pad beside her plate. Immediately after glancing at the the detailed pictures he'd drawn, her heart sank and her appetite disappeared. Is that? Yes. And sometime soon I meet him. What happened? Is that your blood? No. It's someone else's. I couldn't see who, but I could tell that it was someone I didn't know. For the next several minutes, he told her about his dream as he ate the food that had gone cold. Elise followed along with the scenes he'd drawn as he told the story, and she felt like she was there. She saw Arian on his knees, blood all over his clothes, and dripping from his hands. Then he looked up, and in the drawing, there was despair and rage in his eyes. She flipped the page, and there he was, the only man she truly hated. Distantly, she acknowledged that he was quite attractive, and had aged well in the 24 years since the last time he'd been captured on camera. She guessed killing people and stealing their powers for a living did that to a person. But then she zeroed in on the eyes. There was nothing, literally nothing there. They were the color of hers. She knew that from the pictures she'd found on the internet, but there was no color of life in them. They appeared almost soulless, and for the first time, she truly believed what Arian had said earlier. Any life with any other person was better than being raised by him and Blythe. As disturbing as the pictures were, seeing him like that made Elise feel better. It reassured her that despite his blood and magic flowing through her, she was nothing like him and never would be. She looked up at Arian. Where was I in this dream? I don't know, but I know that you weren't anywhere near me. So you couldn't have known that I was with him. You're not going to like this, but I was relieved, in the dream, that you weren't there. I didn't want you getting hurt. That's why I only told him about me. Arian, you got to stop this, she urged. He put his hands up as if to surrender. I know. I'm sorry. It's a knee-jerk reaction to want to protect you. But can you blame me? He choked me with no more than a look after calling me useless for being powerless. He hunts down the strongest sorcerers and steals their powers. We already know from those trackers' watches that your powers register high, and the more you use your magic and learn to control it, the more your power grows. Can you imagine what he'll try to do to you if he found out about the power you have? Arian asked. Yes, I can. But the power I have is from him. It's his magic. You are a part of him as well. 
you might not have his power, but you are not powerless. You've got more than just his musical skills. You're strong, fearless, protective, brain and battle smart. It's obvious that he's all those things as well. So we cannot underestimate them. But more, you're brave and pure and that he will never be. If there is anyone that can defeat him, it's us because we are part of him. We will beat him at his own game with his own magic and mannerisms, but only if we do this together. We have to be a team. We are. That, I can promise you. I'll tell you what though, I've received enough bad news to last me a lifetime. I'm just ready to go back to work and resume even a semblance of a normal life. Our lives have never been normal. Elise chuckled, but I agree. You'll be happy to know that I took your advice. I auditioned for the orchestra in New York, and I got a call for a second audition. Sparks, that's amazing. Arian all but shouted. We have to celebrate. He paused for a second as he contemplated, then a smirk spread across his face. Want to go to Vegas? In a burst of laughter, Elise leaned over the table and nudged him. (laughs) Yeah, right. Let's hold off on celebrating until I know whether or not I got accepted. What I really like for you to do is play with me. My audition is in a couple of weeks due to the amount of auditions they have to get through and I could really use a practice and company. She could have practiced on her own, she mused. But after Arian's dream, she didn't want to leave his side whenever they were in the dark domain. So when the time came, they'd both meet the Dark Lord. It's not that she didn't trust her brother's promise that they were a team. It's just that she knew the way he functioned. He might have every intention of including her in the battle, but when it started, his instincts would kick in, and he'd go out of his way to shield her from danger and keep her safe. As much as it irritated her, she'd grown to love that about him, but she was not letting him shield her from killing the Dark Lord. That was out of the question. Whatever you want. Arian responded as he threw some cash on the table to cover their food. Your place? Or mine. Yours. The acoustics are better. Plus, I want to soak in that spa tub in the room you set up for me for at least a day. So I'll just pack a bag. Sounds good to me. They packed up the food they'd promised Empress and Blue and left the restaurant. When they walked through the door of Arian's house, Elise pulled some papers out of her bag and handed them to him. He raised his eyebrows. Sheet music for your audition song? When did you have time to print this off? I took advantage of the printer at the hotel in Vegas after I got the call for a second audition. A little presumptuous, weren't you? She shrugged. I figured after the train wreck that was meeting our birth mother, we'd both need a release. And while knocking each other on our butts and calling it training is as good as a release as any, I figured this would be better considering I had to practice. Two birds, one stone. Besides, you can't say no to this face. Chuckling, Arian walked past her and sat at the piano. We both know that's not true. And we both know you're lying. But you tell yourself whatever helps you sleep at night. She teased as she opened the far window. Elise knew that Empress sometimes sat outside of her window to listen to her play, and it always comforted her. She opened the window in hopes that she would make her way to Arian's. Hey, what are you doing there, Sparks? Just letting in some fresh air. You got any more questions, or can we get started? Uh, what else would you call sitting at a piano with my fingers on the keys other than ready? Rolling her eyes, she picked up her violin. Shut up and give me a C. They went through the process of tuning her instrument. Then, without a word between them, they started playing at the same time. The music was breathtaking. Hauntingly so. The notes, drifting through the room, demanded their attention, pulled at their hearts, and begged for every ounce of them. They were captivated by the beautiful music they created. It was soft, but commanding. Lovely, yet sad. As they played, animals nearby gathered around the window to listen. When the last note of the song was played, there was complete silence while they absorbed the power the music possessed. Finally, Aaron took a couple of calming breaths and looked up. Looks like we had an audience. Speaking for the first time in over five minutes, his voice thick with emotion. 
She put the tears from her cheeks and looked out the window to where Arian gestured. She smiled. You think they liked it? Believe me, no one will have a choice but to love it. You're an amazing musician with an ear for special gems like this piece. You picked the perfect song to play for your audition, and I have no doubt that the best chair in that orchestra has your name on it. Thanks. You said just the right thing. And thanks for playing with me. You know, you're not too bad at musician yourself. That goes without saying. And you know, I can't seem to say no to that face. Anyway, I'm calling it. I have work in the morning, and I just know that you'll be up to practice for your audition. But when I get off, we're celebrating for real. So think about where you want to go. Anywhere in the world, on me. Before Arian left to head to his room, he walked up to the window and leaned out. He petted several of the animals that had gathered and rubbed his hands on Blue and Empress's head last. Good night, you all. Keep an eye on her, all right? He muttered. When both Blue and Empress nodded, he smirked. I heard that, Elise said, exasperated. Good. He teased. Now, good night. Aaron rolled over and slapped his alarm clock when it screamed at him to wake up. He took inventory of how he was feeling, and he was a little disappointed when he realized he felt refreshed. Because it had been relatively quiet for the last couple of weeks since their train wreck of a meeting with Blythe, and his dream of getting choked to death by Theodore, he wasn't sure if it was a good thing. There weren't any mentions or sightings of a new tracker, and if he was honest with himself, that frustrated him. His dreams usually tipped him off for something that was to come, but there had been none for the last 12 days. What did it mean, he wondered. He hated sitting around idly. Well, it wasn't entirely true. He did have his work. He loved his job. He was doing something that he was passionate about and was good at it. He was hired to sit at a desk drawing all day and got paid for it. He was really living the life. He was just more than ready to get to a life where there were no trackers and definitely no Dark Lord. Pushing out of bed, he headed to the bathroom for a shower. 30 minutes later, Arian was dressed and ready to go. He was on his way through the portal with an apple in his mouth when he spotted his sister pacing the floor in the music room with her sheet music in her hand. You're liable to fall over something if you don't pull your head out of those papers and watch where you're going. When she only grunted in response, Arian rolled his eyes, walked in the room, and stood in front of her, blocking her way. He put his hands on her wrists and slowly pushed them down until the paper was no longer blocking her face. He smirked when she looked at him. For someone who didn't even want to live in the middle world anymore, you sure are stressing about this audition. Elise shrugged. Yeah, well, it turns out I wanted this more than I thought, and now I'm stressing about it. And it's your fault because you're the one that put it in my head that I could do this. That's only because you can do this. You're an utter genius on the violin and you picked the perfect song to showcase your talent. You'll be amazing. What time's your audition? 1.30. That's perfect. That's when I'll take my lunch and come support my little sister. He said then kissed the top of her hair. No, you don't have to do that. You have to work. It's really okay. Arian leaned his head to the side and searched her eyes. Do you want me there? Why, she wondered, did answering his question make her feel vulnerable? On a deep breath, she nodded. Yes. Cool. Then I'll be there. What would you have done if I said no? Elise called after him. I would have hid in the back, but I wouldn't have missed it. Smiling, Elise shook her head. Suddenly, she felt a whole lot better, and her nerves were gone. She closed her music, put it in a folder, and placed all of her equipment by the door, then went to fix her some breakfast. Aaron hadn't realized just how much time had passed until he came up for air and felt the crook in his neck. He was trying to stretch away the stiffness when one of his co-workers knocked on the wall of his cubicle. Hey, a few of us are about to head out for some pizza. You want in? Can't today. I have to go to the sink for my sister, but I'm down to go tomorrow. Cool. He was on his way out of the door when he paused. Wait, you have a sister? Is she hot? Arian knew he was kidding, but still he couldn't stop the anger that spread through him and flashed in his eyes. Get out, Chris. Chris held up his hands as if to surrender. I was only kidding, dude. He said lightly, then did as he was told, and left. Frowning, Arian closed his sketchbook. He hadn't thought about his sister dating, and quite frankly, he didn't want to think about it. 
because he wasn't a fan of the idea of it at all. Shaking his head, he pushed the idea out of his mind and prayed that he wouldn't have to worry about that stuff again for at least a couple hundred years. To keep his co-workers from seeing his form of exit, Arian walked into the bathroom and closed the door before he opened the portal to the dark domain. He was sure it wasn't an uncommon exit for the people who worked there because he felt that several of them had powers. He just didn't want to draw any attention to himself. After stepping through, he thought of the exact address that Elise had sent him earlier that day, opened the portal back up, and stepped through right into the main lobby of the orchestra hall. He walked across the large polished marble floors and slipped right into the back of the atrium and sat in one of the seats in the last row. Thankfully, he didn't disrupt anyone. An older man had apparently just finished because he was packing up his sheet music and the instrument Arian knew to be a viola. Arian purposefully arrived a little early to scope out the competition, so he sat back and watched the show. The next woman that rocked across the stage literally took his breath away. She was stunningly beautiful, with warm chocolate skin and black and brown locks that fell past her shoulders. Her features were sharp and exotic like that of an Amazonian. Her eyes were a slanted almond shape, with irises the color of the caramel candies that he used to eat as a child. Suddenly, Arian stood up and slid right out of the row he was on. He couldn't seem to help himself. He walked down the middle aisle as if in a trance closer to the stage to get a better view. He got all the way up to the middle of the atrium before he snapped out of it and halted. He had way too much going on and the safety of too many people riding on him defeating the Dark Lord. He didn't have time for any distractions. That's the exact reason why he'd broken up with Beth. Had he not learned anything? Quickly, he slid into the row where he'd stopped walking before she began to play her cello. The song was as beautiful as she was. He recognized the song. It was one he'd played several times on the piano and he could say confidently that it fit her perfectly. He sat and watched, completely captivated with her. When her audition was over, Arian had an overwhelming urge to give her a standing ovation, but he withheld. Arian watched her pack up and walk off the stage with a yearning he'd never experienced before. He couldn't say he was a fan of the feeling, so he pushed it to the back of his mind and smirked when he saw Elise walk on stage with her violin and sheet music in tow. He could tell that she was nervous, but she did pretty well at masking it. Elise refused to look out in the audience. She knew Arian was there. She could feel him so no one else mattered. She tried not to think of how deafening the silence was as she set her music up and the fact that she could literally feel her racing heart in her throat. Closing her eyes, Elise took two calming breaths, sat down, settled her violin on her shoulder, then opened her eyes and began. As the notes that her fingers made poured out of the violin and soared through the atrium, her nerves melted away. There was no room for anything else but the music. This, she thought, this is what she loved, where she felt most comfortable. She was in her element, so much so that she was almost sad when it ended. But she stood up, took a bow, and tried to hide her elation as she walked off stage. She killed that audition. She knew she did, and if they didn't think the same, then screw them. She'd barely taken a step out of the door of the building when she was engulfed in Arian's arms. She couldn't stop the laughter from escaping when he twirled her in the air. You're making me dizzy. Put me down, crazy. I'm not surprised or anything, but you were amazing, Sparks. Let's go celebrate. I haven't gotten accepted yet. Listen, if they don't accept you, then they're insane, and you're better off. But we're celebrating how awesome you are. Her smile was warm as she looked up at him. Thanks, Hero. Don't mention it. So where do you want to go? And you're serious about taking me anywhere I want to go. Literally anywhere. Arian knew his sister well enough to have a pretty good idea that her destination had something to do with music. And he was fine with that. He smirked and nodded. Literally anywhere. On me. I want to go to Amsterdam. It's home to the top-rated orchestra in the world. They don't have a performance or anything, but I'm sure we can sneak into the practice. Why are you looking at me like that? Her voice was full of wariness. I knew your anything would include music, that's all. And sneaking in somewhere doesn't surprise me either. Is it too much? We don't have to do it. It's just that I feel so good right now. 
I don't want that momentum to end. Smiling, Arian held out his hand for her to take. Then it won't. We're going to Amsterdam. They opened the portal and stepped through into the dark domain. Where is it that they practice? He asked her. Elise closed her eyes, thought of where she wanted to go, then opened the portal back up. They stepped right into the back of the concert hall and in the middle of their practice. Instantly, she was enthralled. So much so that she forgot that they'd snuck into a closed rehearsal of a highly guarded orchestra and walked towards the front. Arian whispered to her sharply to come back, but she wasn't listening. Frustrated, he plopped down in the seat and waited for it all to blow up. She was almost at the stage when the conductor noticed the movement and turned around. He gestured for the music to stop, and when it did, he folded his arms, looking down at Elise. This is a closed rehearsal. How did you get in here, child? As soon as the music stopped, she felt like she'd been snatched out of a daze, but her heart yearned for more. I'm sorry. I just need to hear you play today. Music was all I had, the only consistent thing that made sense in my life for so long. That is until I met my brother. Intrigued, the conductor took a few steps closer. Met? Yes. My brother and I were both given up at birth. He a year before I was born. We didn't meet until we were 11 and 12, and it was only by coincidence that it happened. Or at least we thought it was. But the moment we met, we knew our lives were somehow tethered together. That's what we bonded over. But our love for music is what brought us closer together. He introduced me to things that I didn't even know were available to me. Me being here would not have been possible without him. The words just seemed to come pouring out of her. And when they were all out, she placed her hands over her mouth. I'm so sorry. I don't know why I just dumped all of that on you. It's the music, child, that pulls everything out of you. What's your name? Elise. He tilted his head and looked at her more closely. The look of unresolved pain and honest vulnerability in her eyes is what did it for him. And his mind was made up. And where is your brother there? Arian? Oh, he's back there hiding. Arian shot up out of his seat in the back of the auditorium. I wasn't hiding. I was sitting. He grumbled as he walked up to join his sister. And does he play as well? Her heart jumped in her throat. How did you know I... I never said... Her words were cut off when the conductor gestured to her hand. She looked down and saw that she was still holding her violin case. She closed her eyes from embarrassment. I know how this must look. I live in New York and I just came from an audition for their symphony orchestra. Please believe that I genuinely only came to hear you all play. Does your brother play as well, child? He repeated. She looked back at Arian as he made his way up to her, then nodded. The piano, yes. Perfect. You want to hear my orchestra play? Well, first I want to hear you, both of you, play. Then we will resume. Once again, she looked up at her brother who stood beside her now with a plea in her eyes. Are you up for it? Literally anything, remember? He muttered matter-of-factly. A megawatt smile spread across her face as she placed her violin case on the armrests of the front row seats, opened her case, then pulled out her violin. Thank you so much, Arian. Just follow my lead. It wouldn't hurt if you sang a little as well. I'll owe you big time. Yeah, you will. This is why you never heard me sing until recently. He rolled his eyes teasingly, then walked up the stairs onto the stage where the pianist was sliding off the bench for him. One of the violinists got out of his seat, then moved his chair to the front of the stage and positioned it to where she was facing the orchestra. Elise thanked him and sat down, did a quick tuning, took a deep breath, and started. The song was one that she'd played many times by herself and with Arian. She knew it by heart and could play it a hundred times over in her sleep. It was one of her favorites because it seemed to tell the story of her life. She related to the song more than she did any other. It spoke of pain, heartache, betrayal, and fear. But what made the song so special is through all of that, it found the light in so much darkness, the healing after so much hurt. 
The song ended on such a happy note that it made her believe that happy endings were real and attainable even for her. As she played, she closed her eyes and reminisced on her past and dreamt about her future. Elise smiled when she heard Arian's voice compliment the melody. It comforted her more than she thought possible, that they were such a great team both when fighting and playing. She remembered the days where she was so mad and depressed for being so alone in the world. She was more than a little thankful that that was no longer the case. When the song ended, Elise opened her eyes to a standing ovation. Even the conductor clapped. She was speechless and on the brink of tears. So she stood up and took a bow. The conductor walked up to her, gave her a hug and kissed both of her cheeks. Your talent matches your beauty, both so natural and breathtaking. For one so young, you definitely have a story to tell and I hope one day you will share it with me. Until then, come play for me, both of you. She could have sworn her jaw hit the floor when his words registered in her mind. She gaped at him for what felt like a full hour before she forced herself to speak. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I can't. I'm waiting to hear back from my audition today in New York. I understand, but if they let such talent go, you'll reconsider, yeah? Elise nodded quickly. Yes, of course. I also want you to consider featuring in our concert next month, both you and Arian. Will you think about it? Let me know in a couple of days. We'll need time to make arrangements and rehearse. Of course. Elise couldn't believe what was happening to her. She had to be dreaming. Perfect. Now, to keep my end of the deal, both of you feel free to play along. He winked at both of them, then gestured for the orchestra to begin. Distance was an immeasurable and inconceivable concept in their world because vast distances could be crossed within a matter of seconds. So as the war master and enchantress sat playing on their little instruments in Amsterdam, he was on the opposite side of the globe, so far away from them yet as close to them as the orchestra they were playing with. Knowing that he could simply cross the threshold of his realm into the next and be snatching the very essence of their souls out of their bodies within seconds did nothing to ease his mind when he had no idea who they were or where exactly to look. It was clear that they had not found an effective way to locate or track his tracker's daily activities, which provided him a sliver of relief. The trackers were still able to bring him a few sorcerers before they were killed, and the kills appeared to be random, never in the same place and never in the same time frame as when he sent them to do his bidding. That made them unpredictable and in turn very frustrating, but he knew just how to fix that. There were several sorcerers who thought themselves brave enough to take on his trackers, but none as successful as the war master and enchantress. They were killing off more trackers than he had time to train. He could admit to himself that before those two nuisances, he had gotten too comfortable and maybe even a bit cocky. He'd had the same tracker for 16 years. No other sorcerer's power had matched his second trackers, except his own, of course. His own power surpassed all. Everyone feared his second tracker, so much so that the Dark Lord never considered grooming a replacement and was completely unprepared when he was murdered. It took him a while to find and prepare another, but he never made the same mistake again. It was a good thing, too, because those two were taking them out almost as soon as he gave them their orders. It was almost to the point where he was forced to scout for trackers as much as he was scouting for power, and that did not sit well with him. Those two were quickly morphing from an annoying inconvenience into a problem, he declared. Perhaps it was time for him to pay them a visit and put an end to their disruptions himself. He knew that they were looking for him, so why not give them what they wanted? And while there was nothing and no one stronger than him, he knew better than to underestimate them. If they'd only killed one of his trackers, he might have chalked it up to sheer luck. But wiping out every single one of his trackers he'd unleashed? It was clear that they were smart and powerful. Power that would soon be his. He needed to be strategic about confronting them. For his own benefit and because of his new tracker. This one he did not want to lose. No, this one was young and strong. Unlike the others who simply wanted to serve him, this one had seen loss and pain. 
both of which had blackened his heart and sent him on a path for revenge. He'd been more than happy to give the young man with such purpose some direction. He had potential for greatness and such a dark future ahead of him, the Dark Lord mused. He would take an extra step to protect his newest tracker. This one was personal. My lord. One of his workers called as he walked up to his leader. Everything is in position. A slow, menacing smirk spread across the Dark Lord's face. Perfect. Uncontrollable tears rolled down Elise's face as she and Arian walked out of the atrium. But she lowered her face so that they'd go unnoticed in hopes that she could have her breakdown in the privacy of her own home. Unfortunately, she didn't get any further than stepping through the portal into the dark domain when she began to shake. She couldn't go any further. I have to admit, that was pretty cool. I didn't expect... Arian stopped walking and talking when he realized Elise was no longer beside him. He looked over his shoulder and realized she was still standing right where he'd closed the portal. When he saw that her entire body was trembling, he ran to her. What's wrong? Are you... Why are you crying? With the care of a doctor performing surgery, she lowered her violin case to the ground and looked at her hands as if she was seeing them for the first time. I, I just played with the number one orchestra in the world. My gosh, Sparks. I'm going to be dead by next year if you keep shaving years off my life like this, Elise. He barked. Take calming breaths. You're turning red. Finally, she blew out a rush of breath and he rolled his eyes. So, these are happy tears? Happy is too small of a word, Arian. I don't think there is a word for how I'm feeling. Today was the greatest day of my life. I don't think anything will ever top this. Playing with them was the pinnacle of my life. A fresh wave of tears filled her eyes. I don't... How am I ever going to be happy again? Arian tried, but could not stop the burst of laughter that escaped his lips. I think you'll find a way. You laugh, but I'm serious. That was more than a dream come true because I never let myself dream that I'll be able to do something so amazing. Arian, we played on the same stage where so many phenomenal and famous conductors and musicians have practiced. How are we ever going to top that? By playing in their concert next month, I imagine. She gasped from excitement. You'll really do it? Are you sure? I'd be insane to pass up an opportunity like... He was interrupted by a beeping that he realized was coming from his pocket and what sounded like the inside of Elise's violin case. When he realized what the sound was, his smirk went cold and grim. He could tell that it had registered with Elise as well because anger completely marred her face. Well, this is new. Elise started as she closed her case back after retrieving the watch she'd kept from one of the trackers. The watch has never given us two different locations. Elise pointed out. I'm almost certain it's intended to be a trap. But this one will gladly walk into. She nodded her head in agreement. He sure knows how to ruin a fantastic day, doesn't he? She muttered. I was wondering when he was going to send another one. I have to admit I was expecting it a bit sooner, though. Arian said as he pulled his from his pocket. He frowned. But two different locations? That can't be right, can it? Then the memory hit her and she knew the answer before he spoke a word. Her heart began to race. Mine has two, too. It would explain why we were separated in the dream. We have to. No. She barked, cutting him off. We are not splitting up. He could tell that she was worried, so he closed the distance between them by laying his hands on her shoulders. You and I both know that the dreams are going to happen regardless of whether we try to make them happen or prevent them. We could stick together, but then how many sorcerers will the other tracker get in the meantime? The Dark Lord thinks he's smart by splitting us up, but we have the element of surprise on our hands. He doesn't know that we know what he's doing, that we know it's me he visits, and that it all goes down here, in the dark domain. So when you're done with yours, hang back here and catch them by surprise. We might actually kill ourselves an evil sorcerer tonight. Elise took a deep, calming breath. She knew he was right, but she didn't have to be happy about it. Fine. We'll do it your way. Good. 
Also, don't kill your tracker. The Dark Lord probably has some kind of sensor to let him know when his tracker dies. You killing a tracker will tip him off that you're coming. He wants us separated for a reason, and we want to keep the upper hand. Got it. Which one do you want? She asked, referring to the trackers. I'll take Arkansas. You take the mountains. Yeah, fine. She was more than a little angry about it. But what choice does she have? They couldn't let anyone die just because they had reservations about being separated. Turning, Elise opened the portal. Hey, be careful. I'm not the one destined to be sprawled out in someone's blood getting choked out by my sadistic father. She retorted, pouting. Aaron tried to make light of the situation by smirking. I have complete faith that you'll get there right on time and save the day. We're leaving a lot to chance here, but I'll make it back. Then she was gone. When he was finally alone, his smirk faded. Aaron understood where his sister was coming from. He had to admit that she was a much bigger person than he was, because if the roles were reversed and she was the one about to get choked out by the Dark Lord, there was no way he'd have left her. Him dying wasn't ideal, but he'd rather it be him than her. Nothing could happen to her. He'd lost so much already. He couldn't lose her too. But he wasn't going to die today, Arian declared. He wasn't lying when he said that he had faith in her. She'd come, and if they were lucky, they'd kill them an evil sorcerer and a couple of his lackeys. Zeroing in on the location on the watch, he opened the portal and stepped through. He took stock of where he was and frowned. Where was everyone? The area was completely barren, which wasn't typical for a beach, even a rocky one. The ground was made completely of large brown stones with deep grooves separating them. Water splashed against the rocks that on any other occasion, Arian would have found soothing, but at the moment, it was an inconvenience. The sound was overpowering. It was preventing him from hearing any movement. He knew they were there somewhere. The watch said so. But where? He looked around again and felt very uncomfortable about how exposed he was from being out in the open. Quickly, Arian ran and climbed to the nearest ledge that he deemed would be a good cover and vantage point to see every angle of the grounds. Moments later, a bright blast of orange light burst from his left and exploded against one of the large flat rocks, blasting it to bits. Finally, he had a location. There was a cave of sorts, created by a large cluster of boulders that jutted out of the ground. They were obviously inside. Arian made his way across the ledge, crouching down to remain hidden until the ledge ran out. He knew better than to make a run for the cave because there was too much open space from where he was to the cave. And there was no way of knowing just how deep the cave went. So, thinking on his toes, he unsheathed one of his blades. If he couldn't go into the cave to fight them, he'd bring them out of it. Aaron stood up and threw his blade. The blade grew into a spear in midair and shot right into the crease of two boulders, loosening them until they tumbled down. With a loud crash, they crumbled to the ground, closing up a part of the cave's entrance. Seconds later, the two came running out still throwing punches of power at each other. Arian zeroed in on the one sporting the watch on his wrist, identical to the ones that all the other trackers wore, as he struck his victim with such a force of magic that it shot him back several feet. As the target tried to pick himself up, the tracker held both of his hands out. Arian watched as tiny particles from the ground floated up to his hands, coming together to form a shiver sharp enough to slice through bone. The tracker walked slowly towards the target sorcerer, then suddenly crumbled to the ground with an axe sticking out of the back of his head. Completely taken off guard, the sorcerer jumped up at the ready, frantically scanning for the next threat. Who's there? He yelled. With his hands up as a sign of peace, Arian stood up. I'm here to help. I'm not going to hurt you. I just got a signal that a tracker was out on the hunt again. You're him. You're the... the war master, aren't you? I... He was cut off when the watch buzzed again. And now for act two, he mused. Sorry, sir. I have to go. Running, Arian yanked his axe out of the head of the dead tracker and his spear off the ground where it fell amidst the rocks. As soon as he opened the portal, he saw yet another tracker attacking an innocent. Her arms were raised with her hands spread wide, and a few feet away, a man floated in thin air, his head flung back, screaming in agony. 
It was clear that his limbs were being pulled in opposite directions. Before she could pull his arms and legs clean off, he readjusted his spear in his hand and threw it. It went right through her, leaving a hole in her stomach. When both she and the man collapsed, Arian stepped at the portal and towards the sorcerer trying to pick himself up. Those last two trackers were a lot easier than I expected them to be. The Dark Lord seems to be running out of options. What kind of tracker doesn't cover their back? It wasn't the trackers who didn't cover their backs. He muttered. What was that? Arian asked as he held out his hand to the man, whose head was still down. Here, let me help you. When the man looked up, Arian's heart dropped to his stomach. Brian? Jeez, how the- He was at a complete loss of words, but he couldn't stop himself from fumbling through his shock. How, uh, are you here? I mean, I can't believe it's you. It's been so long. Arian knew why so much time had passed since he'd seen Brian or even reached out to him. He remembered the very last time they talked. It was the day before he killed Brian's father. He couldn't face him after that horrible day, but he had to face him now. Anger, betrayal, and a hurt Brian thought he'd rid himself of a long time ago spewed red and hot through him. He smacked Arian's hand away and stood up, a little shaky on his own. You can drop the act. It's been a long time because you abandoned me, and it all makes sense now why. Look, Brian, let me explain. Save it. He barked. I know you killed my father. You? How? I didn't know it was you specifically until just now. It wasn't until after he died that I found out what he did, who he really was. He left me everything in his will. I needed to know who killed him, why he died, so I dug. Three names kept popping up. The big, bad, dark lord, and a couple of almighty saviors, the war master, and enchantress. Brian hissed. Well, my dad worked for the dark lord, so process of elimination. Ironic, isn't it? That you two are practically exalted as saviors when you are nothing but a couple of murderers? Anyway, up until that point, I had no idea there were other entire worlds, but obviously you did. We were best friends, yet you kept so much from me. Then you turned your back on me, stopped answering my calls. You weren't there when I needed you. You killed my father. You didn't even have the balls to tell me. Now, I'm going to kill you. Arian lifted his hands in peace, but stayed where he was. Look, Brian, you have every right to be upset. I should have come to you and explained everything face to face. But yes, I was a coward. And what happened? It ripped me to shreds. I mean, I knew he had powers, but... And then it hit him. He frowned. Wait, why was the tracker after you? And how are you here? You don't have powers. For a moment, Brian gaped at him. You didn't? From the tone of this exchange, you didn't catch on what was really going on here? Not everyone can be as smart as you, son. The Dark Lord sauntered out of the shadows and over to stand in between Arian and Brian. Distantly, the move made Arian wonder if Theodore was trying to intimidate him or protect Brian. But that was far less important than the realization of what he'd done. Devastation set in as he looked back at the woman, barely holding on to the last strings of her life. No! As if it would help, he turned, sprinted to her, then dropped down to his knees and cradled her in his lap. I'm so sorry. He sobbed. Both Brian and Theodore walked over to where he was holding the dying woman. Brian came up behind him, knelt down, and pulled his watch off her wrist while Theodore pulled out what appeared to be a black studded scepter from the inside of his black hooded cloak. It was the first time that Arian really got a good look at him. And he had to admit that he was a little bit disappointed. He was tall, but that didn't surprise Arian. He'd known that from his dreams. He wore the exact same thing Arian had sketched him in so many times over on his sketch pad. What did surprise him was that he wasn't scared of him. This man had been a figure that haunted his dreams for as long as he could remember. Arian had built him up so high in his imagination and given him so much power over his life 
that the Dark Lord had been the only thing that he'd secretly been afraid of. Arian had been so sure that the moment that they finally met would be so harrowing that he'd somehow lose himself. But what he realized, sitting on the ground looking up at him, on completely different levels in every way, was that he was nothing more than a man. He was a very powerful man, but a man just the same. The Dark Lord lowered his scepter and touched the woman's head with it, pulling Arian out of his thoughts. Arian's eyes went wide in horror as he watched as a gold sort of energy seeped from her body and sucked into the scepter. It was obvious that she was too weak to react, but if it was possible, he saw the pain in her eyes intensify. No, stop! Stop! Arian squeezed her to him, hoping with everything in him that it would keep her power inside of her. But it didn't. He'd never felt more helpless in his life. It seemed like he sat there, squeezing her to his chest, for a lifetime as he watched the life get sucked out of her, unable to do anything about it but scream curses at both of them. He could tell when it was almost over because her body jerked up as it held on to the last bit of her power with all of her life. But in the end, she lost both, and her body dropped back into Arian's arms, lifeless and cold. As if it wasn't bad enough, Arian was forced to watch just what the Dark Lord did with that magic. He lifted the scepter and tapped his heart. The only indication that Arian had that the magic was transferring into Theodore was the veins in his hands, neck, and face bulging out in the color of molten gold. He stood there, shaking and grunting as the magic coursed through him. He looked like nothing more than a junkie, and Arian was utterly disgusted. The Dark Lord's head flew back and gold magic shot out of his eyes, mouth, ears, and fingertips, signaling the end of the process. That's a sight to behold, isn't it? Well, thanks for the assist, bro. You've always had my back, whether protecting it or stabbing it. I couldn't have done it without you, Brian said, knowing it would shove the wedge deeper into Arian's heart. Arian looked up at Brian with red-brimmed eyes from unshed tears. You can't do this. But he can. With this little serum I concocted, including a little of every tracker's magic and a few other things, it pumps right into his heart. And with it, he becomes the most powerful tracker I've ever had. It's artificial. It won't last. As long as I'm here to give him more, it will. Arian smirked darkly. You won't be alive for much longer, so I repeat, it won't last. Brian grabbed Arian's bun in the center of his head and yanked his head back, exposing his throat. Theodore held up his hand, signaling him to let him go. You sure have ambitious goals, I'll give you that. And you're resourceful. I could use someone like you. You and the Enchantress. Arian's heart skipped a beat at the mention of his sister's name, but he didn't let the fear show outwardly. Don't waste your breath. Theodore chuckled. <laughs> is that bravery that is making you so brazen or just stupidity? Because I have to tell you, kid, you're on the losing side. Looking down at the body he was still cradling, Arian shook his head. Everyone loses when death is involved, but watching a life seep from your eyes will be a win for me. You've murdered hundreds of innocent people, and you will not get away with it. Then he looked back up at Brian. You don't have to go down this path. You don't want to be like him. Don't tell me what I want. I want my dad, but you killed him. You sit there, covered in the blood of a woman you killed, speaking with such self-righteousness in your tone when you're no different than us. You're a murderer on the same path we're on, so keep your lecture. You're delusional if you truly believe there's no difference. The ones he stripped of their power and killed were innocent. Do you honestly believe your dad was even remotely innocent? Asked Arian. Brian did not hesitate to use the power given to him. A yellow shard of magic, almost lightning-like, grew in his hand until it was about a foot long, as sharp as a sword. That will be the last time you ever speak to me about my father, or I'll cut your tongue out. He growled as he lifted the newly created weapon clutched in his hand. 
Theodore lifted his hand yet again to stop Brian's advances. Unfazed by the boy drenched in blood with the corpse in his lap, he circled him and gave him a thorough inspection. Calm down there, son. He isn't wrong about your father, but that's neither here nor there. What I'm wondering is how you're here. You don't have any magic in you, dark or light, yet you've managed to enter my world and kill my trackers. Unless the Enchantress is running the show and you're nothing more than the equivalent of her caddy, there's got to be more to you than just a little blind, ill-placed bravery. So what more is there to you? Who are you? I'm your son, you evil prick. The Dark Lord stopped in his tracks and turned to face Arian with a disdain in his eyes. I don't have a son. As much as I wish that were true, you do. Blythe lied to you. She ran from you when she found out she was pregnant to hide me from you. What do you think that says about you? Nothing I haven't heard before, kid. I'm the figment of everyone's nightmares. Ooh, I'm shaking in my boots now. Oh wait, I left my boots at home, right next to my scaredy pants. You sound pathetic. Chuckling, Theodore pushed his hood off of his face to get a better look at him, revealing dark brown hair cut close to his face. Maybe you are my son, but no powers? A complete disgrace. What a waste. Believe me, the feeling is more than mutual. I may not have any powers, but I'm still going to kill you. This time when Theodore laughed, the ground shook from the loud rumbling thunder. He looked at Arian with his dark soulless eyes and Arian's throat began to close. I'd like to see you try. Theodore growled. And that's another episode. Please subscribe to the podcast and follow me on Instagram at Reality Interrupted Pod and on Twitter at Real Interrupted. Send me comments and questions by DMing me or email me at realityinterruptedpod at gmail.com. See you next week. Same time, same place for episode eight. Wait. Don't tell me what to do. So that one was kind of wrong sorry i'll do it again (laughs) okay it's fine (laughs) he paused for a second as he contemplated then smirked uh, because it had been relatively quiet for the first time uh, uh, choked to death by his theodore by his theodore god dog it to death by theodore why can't i read okay you said view you perfect <laughs> pause this is a pause this is a brief intermission and all that you don't know say it's the baddest thing all right <clears throat> he was tired of oh that's not what that says Aaron hadn't realized just how much time had passed until he came up for brer uh brer oh what does that even mean i needed to know who killed him why he oh my god Aaron hadn't realized just how much time had passed until he came up for air and felt the crop crock in his neck it's a crook her feather no her feathers <laughs> her eyes were slanted her oh god dog it i can't freaking read with the little serum i concocted a little of nope who is gonna read that closing her eyes at least took two calming beths good gosh and if they didn't see okay all right intrigued the conductor took the few took took my gosh it wasn't the trackers who didn't cover their tracks. Oh, thanks. <laughs> he would take an extra step to protect his sweet, his sweetest. Ah, <laughs> uh, your talent matches your beauty. Oh. First of all, he's excited. He's, no. not, he's not irritated. He walked across the large polished marble floors and spotted... Nope. What? What? Perfect. Now, to keep my end of the deal, both of you will... F- <laughs> 
<laughs> I couldn't have done it with I maybe I just can't say <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> Couldn't I couldn't Couldn't Jesus Christ <laughs> Alright then Let's go ahead and get to the next part Okay Megan Okay girly girl <clears throat> And I have no doubt that the best chair in that orchestra Orchestra Ugh Megawatt That's not how you say that word a megawatt smile spread across her face as she played her violin. That's not what that sounds. And I have no doubt that the best... Nope. No, no, no. One of the violinists got out of his... <laughs> One of the violinists got out... Why can't I say got out of his seat? All right. All right. Like, honestly? Okay. Oh, wait. I left my boots at home right next to the... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. Distance was immeasurable and inconceivable. Okay. Distance was an immeasurable. <laughs> Distance was an an. <laughs> Let me say it again. And and I can't freaking talk. All right. 